this is Womb, the podcast that celebrates the power of rebirth. I'm your host, Nova Cobbin, and on this show, we'll hear from amazing women who dared to rediscover who they are. Women who reignited long-lost passions, took bold leaps of faith, and reimagined their futures in ways they never thought possible. Each week, we'll be inspired by the stories of strength, courage, and resilience. Stories that remind us it's never too late to start anew. There are always second chances, new beginnings, and opportunities for rebirth. So join us as we explore the journeys of phenomenal women who reinvented themselves and created the lives they've always dreamed of. Welcome to Womb Rebirth. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode. Today, I am speaking to Alison Blacker. Alison, you are a therapist and a mind coach, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do and who you are? Hi, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So yeah, my my name is Alison. I run a business called Two Minds. I was a therapist in the NHS for 24 years, but now I work for myself. And that's part of my rebirth, which I'm sure we'll cover shortly. I'm trained as a coach. I've done all sorts of different types of coaching. I've also written some books. I'm a, a published author. I'm also a podcast host. And basically, I love to talk about a lot of my journey, whether that would be professionally, what I've learned as a therapist or coach, but also what I've learned for myself. And that was really my motivation for training in the first place, because as I wanted to understand myself more and I believe if we understand ourselves and we understand a bit more about our minds and our behaviors then we've got a chance of being able to make changes lovely thank you and I think you're right I think that's a lot of the reason why people train to be therapists or go into coaching is that love of understanding the self and others and a real quest and a real thirst for understanding those types of things And they come from different places, of course, depending on what your story is. So let's find out a little bit more about your story. Mm. Where would you like us to start? I mean, I think I want to go back a long way back because I think of my younger self, very unsure, didn't really know who I was, what I wanted to do. But running parallel with that was quite a strict upbringing. And being told what to think and being told how to feel and being told not to cry and not really knowing kind of how to express myself. I think I am quite an emotional person and I don't feel I was able to share any of that. I remember spending a lot of the time not knowing what to ask, who to ask and where to get the answers I was looking for. So I went through childhood, did okay, but really always questioning not really sure or wanting to please people, wanting to make sure that everyone else was okay and and not looking at me. And then in my twenties, I think I decided this can't be it, but there was no internet back then. So it was quite hard to find some of the information that I wanted to find. And I did feel like I was a bit of a square at peg in a round hole because I wanted to understand my emotions and I was yet being told, don't have these emotions, stop feeling like that. So it starts there, really. My curiosity to to wonder about myself started quite young for me. And that idea of this can't be it, you know, that's something that I come across a lot. And I think potentially you went through that quite early in terms of already having an understanding of yourself and the way that you were feeling, even though maybe you felt you couldn't express it. The understanding was there. 
and the curiosity was there. And I think that feeling of, is this it? Is there anything more to life? You know, what, what is this all about? Kind of comes to us in stages and always opens the door for our next understanding. So you've had this kind of time in your 20s when you've been thinking about that and thinking about, is this it? What is it? What more is there? So what happens next? How do you kind of answer that question? So I, I suppose for a long time, I was answering the question in the wrong place. Because I was looking for in either relationships or friendships, even looking for the looking for love, looking for that external reassurance, that external um, confidence, really looking for the answers outside. So for a long time, even though I knew I started to question, I didn't have I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. So it took me years, really. So for a long time, I was looking in the wrong places. I was in a job that my parents thought was right for me, which ultimately was wrong for me. But at the time, I suppose it was okay. But all the time, I suppose we all are, aren't we, on these journeys where we, everything that happens, we learn something else. We learn that next, next nugget of information about ourselves. So for me, it was, it's been a, a long journey, painful quite often, because I would put myself in situations and, and hope that this was going to be the bit that made me feel better. And actually it didn't because I was usually looking externally. So then I did set off to train as a counsellor thinking, well, maybe I'll understand myself and understand why things are like they are. And that's when I started to think, oh, hang on a minute. This is what I love. I love people. I'm really curious about the way that we are. And again, just being interested in myself, but also in, in others, but so that I could understand my my to date I suppose really my past to date because I believe that otherwise it defines us our past defines us if we don't understand it and that isn't always a good a good thing yeah absolutely and I think that's exactly the kind of um first point that we reach I think is recognizing that childhood has raised a lot of questions raised a lot of concerns in some places as well and really in many ways shaped us, but not helped us necessarily understand ourselves any better. So we've kind of been living this childhood that's been given to us, a lot of the opinions and thought processes and the beliefs and all of those kind of things have been given to us. And we've kind of handled them in the best way that we can, but they haven't actually helped us understand who we are as an individual. And so then we have to sort of unlearn all of that stuff or, or pick away the, peel away the layers to understand what's kind of left at the core of that. And that is a painful process a lot of the time, right? Really is. The way so many of those things that have kind of served us as a defense mechanism or as a way of feeling um, that we do know who we are to a state where we don't know who we are. And, and not a lot of people want to do that or go to that place. Definitely. And I think the counseling training um it does that right it does that where you kind of get to this very vulnerable place where everything has been stripped away and you're like oh my goodness and I remember when I first trained they did sort of almost give us like a little warning like you are going to profoundly change going through this process and in the process of changing yourself it can be that relationships fall apart that friendships end that the way in which you've been living your life changes profoundly. 
And I remember finding that quite scary as a thought and wanting to sort of like say no and, and hold on to all of that stuff, even though I knew it wasn't serving me. So I think a lot of us kind of avoid that journey because it feels like it is going to be painful. But I think my whole thing about the rebirth podcast is that on the other side of that painful process is something that is definitely worth going for. Oh, I think so. I mean, I look back at my former self and at every stage I've gone through and always difficult, but the stuff that comes out of those difficult times is the magic. And just sometimes, you know, I'm often saying to my clients and I've done it myself, sitting with that horrible feeling of fear or rejection or self something that's really oh horrible you just do anything to avoid actually sitting with it because in there there is something that's going to come it's going to help you look at things differently maybe things that you're doing too much of maybe things that you're not doing enough of some realization that no I'm not going to put up with this I'm not going to put myself through this anymore and it might be put up with someone else or it might be put up with yourself You know, there were things that I was absolutely definitely not doing for myself. And what I noticed is it was very easy to blame someone else. So I could blame my parents or blame the boyfriend or blame the someone else. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, okay, they might not be behaving in a brilliant way, but it was my response to that, which was the magic, realizing that I had a choice regardless of what they were like and that and that was a massive part of my development so what were some of the more painful stories to let go of what were the things that you kind of found much harder to break through and out the other side of I think for me as a child I I always felt like I couldn't get anything right so no matter what I did it was wrong always looking for that reassurance so I stayed I chose I think unconsciously to stay small stay invisible Because it was easier to do that than to be told off or to feel like you're getting it wrong. So to have put my head up and and sort of spoken up became difficult or I chose not to do it because it was it served me. You know, something that you said earlier, some of the behaviors that we have when we're younger, they serve us. It served me to stay small and be be invisible, if you like. But actually, as I grew into life and wanted to be my own person, if you like, my once I became an adult, that was hard to break that, the fear of actually daring to speak up or daring to, to be seen was, was really quite difficult. Because on the outside, I've always been quite chatty and things. So people used to think, oh, you know, she's all right. But inside, I could be absolute, completely different thing. And, and I think there's that deep sadness of feeling misunderstood, and feeling kind of misinterpreted and not being appreciated for who I was. That was hard to actually find out, well, who am I then? If people won't appreciate me, who am I? And actually that felt like I was, because it's easier to have fitted in. So that would have been my easy route was to have sort of played the game, if you like, and fitted in. So actually one of the hardest things to do was to not worry about fitting in, not worry about getting that um acceptance which I wasn't getting anywhere and be me and it sounds so easy you think well how who else can I be but be me but actually I think it is quite hard to be your true self mm-hmm. yes and and I think that was the hardest thing for most people uh, myself included so was there a point at which you kind of recognized that all of those things weren't happening you weren't being recognized you weren't being appreciated and that that 
sort of recognition pushed you forward or was it sort of like a slow unfolding how did it happen for you I think it was it was fairly slow I think over time I mean we're talking you know I, I said to you before I, I sort of started to question is this it when in my 20s but then it wasn't till my 30s that I really started to understand myself more and then fast track to my 40s a relationship that felt like I'd gone backwards because I was being criticized and being told you're not good enough. And it was those, it was almost like that. No, this is not going to happen again. I'm not going back because I could feel myself being small again. I could feel myself being very compliant and that almost that childlike feeling of, okay, well, I, I won't, I won't be visible. I'll just be quiet and here. And I started to feel I was doing that again, which I was surprised that it was so easy to fall back into that trying to help someone else be happy so I'll 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 be this and I think it was that point uh that I so I suppose it was progressive but then there was a point where I just thought no I am not doing this and this person is not going to do this and that was quite a quite a boom moment for me um, and then from then I started to think yeah I, I'm not going to let somebody else dull me anymore not going to let somebody else squish me down I'm going to be I'm going to be me and then it took me a while to work out well who is that because I had all these ideas and shackles if you like but inside there was this person dying to come out and 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 I think then running parallel with this of course is I was encouraging and working with lots of other people who were doing amazing things and I was like I think there was another point when you talk about was it a point I remember one of my clients who had been in a quite a destructive relationship and she got out and was getting married to somebody new and it was all gorgeous. And I thought, wowzers, I need to, I need to be this too. I need to be doing it myself, you know, because as, as coaches and therapists, you know, we are people as well. People often think you've got it all sorted and actually, you know, we're often sorting things out for ourselves too. Yeah, I, I find that my clients are, are fantastic, either a fantastic mirror, um, because often they'll come into my life and I'm like, gosh, this is strange. This is kind of mirroring something that I'm recognizing is going on in me or that they're kind of coming into your life and being an inspiration for you as well. Definitely. That's definitely what happened to me. There was a couple of people I just thought, gosh, my clients, because I was being held back by this other person. And again, I wasn't blaming. I was blaming myself for not uh, showing up as I needed to be, I was allowing that person to control what I thought I should be doing. And yeah, realizing, Hey, these, these, these clients are doing amazing and I'm, I'm, I'm being left behind. So that was a real moment for me. And I think from there, I haven't stopped then I've, I've literally grown and grown and grown and grown and continued. And I left the NHS. I mean, that was another massive thing for me. I was employed for 24 years, you know, loved most of it, but having the courage to leave my permanent post, my pension, my safety mm-hmm. and set up my own business, which was in 2010. So 13 years ago now. And that was massive as well, you know, cause my doubters, whether that was my internal head, but also some of the people in my life were saying, you can't do that. You, you're stupid. You shouldn't leave your permanent safety. And I was just like, but I, I, I know this is right for me. I need to do this for me. And and again, that was that not going back. No way was I going back there. 
So tell me a little bit, because I'm really interested in kind of like the reality of making a big change or the reality of coming to a point where a rebirth is imminent or where we can, where we can ping back. So we can get frightened. We, we can sense that a rebirth is imminent, but we kind of get pulled back by that old story and the echoes of that old story that sort of go, no, you know, you're not ready or, you know, you're going to fail or any of those kind of voices but we get to a point where almost the rebirth has got enough momentum behind it and that we as a person have enough strength and resilience behind us at that point that we're ready to to allow those contractions to kind of push the the, the new version of us yeah. out into the world on a kind of you know um, you may not remember exactly but on a sort of level for you where you are internally experiencing that did you recognize that you felt different? Did you know that there was something about how you felt about yourself that was enough to push you through that barrier? I think so. I mean, I think sometimes when we do feel frightened or nervous, I always think that means we're on the edge of something mm, new yeah. and exciting. So I think sometimes it's that, again, it's that sitting with it, isn't it? It's like sitting with that courage and feeling, if you feel vulnerable, it is the summit. You're going to break through something if we are, because we don't break through into new things easily. They're, they're, they're already in your comfort zone. You've got them already. They're covered. But I think the other thing that was absolutely critical for me is having the right people around me. And I think when I say the right people, there's a real depth to that because we can have lots of people around us, but there's some key people that are your cheerleaders, are your supporters who will be there for you even you know even if you know you oh, I'm really scared and I, I'm going to do this I'm going to leave the NHS you know I remember some people were like saying you can't you're daft and then others were like go on you can and it's those people that kind of help you through so is that your midwives I don't know but it's like yeah, yeah. The, the people who are going to help you who are going to trust you to do the right thing or to know what the right thing is for you, because it might not be the right thing for them, which I think is where most people's comments come, isn't it? Because they, you know, people who say to me, you can't leave the NHS, but of course we all know that that's their thoughts about themselves, not just about me. So if you listen to those people, we wouldn't do those rebirths. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, it's been really important to have people around you who you, you can trust, they trust you, and they'll be there if it doesn't, if something does, yeah, nothing straightforward, is it, you know, leaving the NHS and me, there were times where, yeah, it was a bit wobbly, for sure, financially, particularly, but I knew, I just knew that it was the right thing. Yes, yeah, that point of no return. It was, and, and it was quite interesting that that point of no return became a momentum, when you talk about that momentum, I mean, again, I love your sort of, the, the metaphor you're using here about rebirth, you know, there's no going back, this it's coming out <laughs> whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I you know I remember that feeling of yeah I, I'm going and I you know I was actually see talking to what my old colleague from work just on Friday and um I remember saying to her I'm, I'm I won't be here when you come back from your holidays and she was like don't be daft of course you will I was like do you know what I won't and I did and I was I'd, I'd hand him a notice him by the time she came back and it just was the right thing to do and Oh, on every level, it was probably the most scary thing. But just knowing now I was past that point of of no return. Amazing. So you've OK, so you've had your the contractions have been set in motion. There's no turning back. 
you've handed your notice in. So talk us through kind of the immediate aftermath of that sort of, because the reality is it's not straightforward of kind of like, hurrah, I've made it, everything's done and finished. It is just the start of the next journey. So tell us about the next journey. Well, the next journey is a mixture really, because I felt so free. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I was like, whoa, you know, this is amazing. I can do whatever I want. I can talk to, you know, no restrictions. You know, I've, I went from having meetings in little rooms off wards in hospitals to meeting somebody in a really nice foyer of a hotel somewhere and have coffees and hot chocolates and lovely things. And that was a massive novelty for me. I mean, I was like a little kid in a in a sweet shop for a while. So I think the literal freedom, but then there was a bit of right. Okay. I, I'm not a business person here. I've, I've worked in the NHS. I didn't have to think about where my clients were coming from. They were just, they just kept coming. I just turned up every day and did my work. So that realization again, that I needed the right people around me. So it was really important for me because anybody listening in, if they are thinking of setting out on their own in terms of business, make sure you've got the right people around you, good accountants and all the people that we need. So I knew I had lots of questions that I didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to market myself, didn't know anything like that. So I kind of knew I was on this journey of growth in terms of my skills. But for me, it was I, I was I was going to just keep going. There was just this push that was just keeping me going, which was fabulous, really. So get the right people around me, know that it's the right thing to do. And then it was a case of, yeah, there were times where I didn't have money for holidays and extra things in the first first year or so, but I was happy. I could choose. I was making my own. I was my own destiny. So how much work I put in was purely down to me. I think a lot of people, when they first set out self-employed, we we work ridiculous hours to make it happen. But again, for me, it was trusting. And then, of course, you start to build up your word of mouth, which is a massive part of my marketing strategy really is word of mouth. So the more people I helped, the more people told people about me. And so it goes on. And then, then we'll have had running parallel with that will have been social media will have appeared at somewhere along that journey, which changes having uh, the way that we communicate with people. And I, and I want to just share a lot of my message and story to help others either fast track themselves or, or just know that if it is difficult to keep going, because I think these kind of conversations that you and I are having help people realize hey, they're not on their own. And secondly, you know, there will be, some hard pushes needed, but also there there will be some times where you can look back and think, wow, you know, now I look back and think I can't even hardly remember what it was like to be employed. But, yes. you know, it, it, that was a great time in my life. I learned so much, but I've probably learned and grown so much more in this time. Yeah. And I think that sort of you know, if you if we use a birth analogy again, there's always the fourth trimester, that kind of part where you're just trying to figure, you're getting everything, all of the changes that you've been through, you're getting used to, you're figuring it out, you're trying to, you're doing it through sleepless nights, which often happens also when we have a rebirth of any kind, you know, your mind is full of new things, it's a, quite overwhelming, there's a lot to deal with. And then there comes a point where you kind of settle into that and you can hardly remember 
what it felt like to be in your previous version of yourself. At that point, there is also a sort of danger that we stop it evolving or we stop kind of going through the, any new rebirths because we've kind of had that big experience and we're like, oh my goodness, you know, I never want to, you know, I'm not ready for another child uh, for another couple of years. I just need to sort of settle into this. If you take that idea, so you've had your big rebirth of the sort of business and setting up on your own, um, and then you've kind of settled into the new version of you. So I'm interested also in kind of how that has changed your visibility and your comfort with visibility, your confidence levels, your idea of being um, acknowledged and valued, all of the things that in childhood weren't there, presumably are certainly to a big degree there now because we're talking and, and this is part of your story. So yeah. tell us how all of those kind of things sort of developed as a result of the rebirth that you had. When I first set up my business, I was doing a lot of one, probably only one-to-ones with the odd group, which is what I'd known in the NHS. So I've obviously worked in different areas within the NHS. So sitting alongside somebody, supporting them in whatever way they need support. I did that for a few years. And then I remember having, I think I had a conversation with somebody about business and uh, teams and things. And while I'd been part of a team, I remember thinking, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not a corporate thinker. You know, I've worked in the NHS. I'm I'm an NHS thinker. I don't think I'm really kind of uh, skilled up for that. And that became a a, a new rebirth, if you like, because I started to talk to businesses and then they would, me thinking, oh, they'll want somebody who's very strategic thinking, very business-like, and maybe they do for some things. But I'm all about the people. I'm all about really digging deep in terms of the people. And actually that became something that I really had to push push myself forward and say, well, I I can help you. So now I run, you know, big leadership uh, groups, programs, work with executive teams. I go in and challenge executives in businesses to help them understand themselves and each other and why things aren't going. And that was a massive thing for me to, to sort of move from this, place where I know I can help an individual to actually being able to put everything that I've learned into place with them and and taking some of the models that you and I will have learned into businesses and saying hey look this is this is why we think like we do that was quite a big step for me in terms of the kind of uh, size of the work and I've worked with some big players Sainsbury's BMW you know I've big the police big players since then and I think from there as well that's changed my visibility. And I feel like that's given me a bit of different, slightly different platform. And again, word of mouth still plays out there. Having that courage, knowing in yourself, know who you are, being able to then say, I'm me and and support somebody else, I suppose has, has got easier and easier. And then I think I'm moving away from one-to-ones as much. And I want to do a lot more one-to-many, which is you know probably a little bit more about how we met you know doing podcasts speaking to groups speaking on the stage I mean and again I I sometimes stand on the stage or or I'm talking to you today and you know I look back at my journey and who I am and I would in a million years not have thought that I would have been doing any of the things that I'm doing now because my former self would have had way too much uh self-talk and chatter and uh 
doubt to be able to have done that. But I think when I look back and I listen to some of the people who have known me for a long time, I obviously did a great job at pretending that I was okay because I've always been quite chatty. And I think that must have been my way of sort of hiding some of the stuff that was going on inside. So we we can kind of fake it, can't we, till we make it. But um, I think there was times where I was doing that. And then now I... I know I'm not, I don't have to do that now. I love that actually, because I think that's very true that you almost have to match up to your own idea of yourself. So initially it kind of feels out of place and like you're faking it. And the first time I went and did a, a, you know, a talking corporate, I thought, oh my God, you know, you know, this is going to be a disaster. Who am I to stand up there and say these things? Again, using those sort of therapy tools which to me were kind of you know well surely everyone knows about those because I've been talking about them so long that it just for me felt like the whole world must know about them but when I introduced them to a new audience they were like wow this is really powerful and actually it kind of just reinforced that like okay they're you know they are getting something from this but even so I still didn't feel like I matched up to the idea of what I thought I needed to be in that space but gradually over time my sort of identity that I wanted to move into and my actual identity merged. And at that point where they merged, interestingly, not only did I kind of then feel comfortable, I also felt uncomfortable because I recognized that I was too comfortable and the next rebirth was imminent. And I think that that's the sort of um, interesting pattern that we go through is as soon as we match up to our kind of identity that we have of ourselves in the future. And soon as we've got there, we're like, oh, now I'm kind of in this space where I'm not feeling challenged anymore. And so the next rebirth comes along. It's almost like we kind of don't, we don't get to sit still for very long if we're constantly kind of evolving and wanting to evolve. So I guess that leads me to ask you, what do you think is next for you? What would be your next evolution? The thing that you haven't lived up to yet that you would like to live up to? I think it is more, you know, I'm I'm on the edge of just starting to do public speaking. So I do, you know, I'm quite happy to stand and talk to a group of people, but I'm well aware that actually being an inspirational public speaker is a whole nother thing. So that is, does feel like that's my next move in terms of, my own stretch and I you know I'm I must often describe myself as a bit of a change junkie you know I'm, I'm I'm kind of always curious about what what can I learn where am I going to learn it uh from you know having got rid of a lot of the really uncomfortable things now it's it is that what's next and you know for some of your listeners it might not be that you want to be public speaking or doing anything like that but what it's always that what's your thing where's where's your next thing so I think for me it's just continuing this journey that I'm on in terms of visibility in terms of the more public speaking which yeah it's exciting and yeah I've got to learn kind of craft it and learn how to how to do it well I mean some people again people will often say to me you're so confident why why do you need to stretch yourself to do more I'm like no no there's a whole different thing Mm -hmm. that I'm not there yet and so I think that's that's where I want to uh want to put my attention and what would you I I, um had a thought as I was driving to the office this morning and it was uh it was it's very rainy here I don't know how it is where you are but it was um it's July and it's awful weather um so I was feeling a little bit like oh glum about everything 
And uh, I just had this thought pop into my head about sort of a previous version of me and just sort of realized how low her self-esteem was and how undervalued she was in terms of how she valued herself. And so I was sort of, I don't know why it popped into my head, but I was thinking about it and I thought, and I felt really motherly towards that version of myself, a real sort of like, oh, sweetheart, if only I could kind of tell you how much it's going to change and give you some of that love and, and give you some of that confidence. So what is it that you would like to say to your younger self that you think would have helped her? I think it is for me it is that being able to it's similar to yours over it's that self self love to know that that you to to know that you have, you have got the answers you might need other people to support you to develop the answers but actually being true to you and pushing through some of the ideas that other people were telling me were right for me to have the courage to say actually I don't think that's going to be right for me you know, to be told constantly, no, you're not good enough for that. Don't do that. Actually, to not listen to that mm-hmm. or to find a way to not listen to that because it's hard, especially if you're young. It is hard. We are influenced by adults as children. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to listen. But I think to know that y- you need to keep keep going with your things, whatever that might be. And, yeah, for me, it was self-love. I mean, I didn't feel loved. So looking for love externally, again, if you've got the right people around you, great. But actually to be able to, yeah, I like what you said, you know, give yourself a a hug and say, come on. And I think we could all need to do that to ourselves, don't we? We are all so hard on ourselves and often just a bit of kindness, a bit of of a hug to say, come on, we've got this. Um, You know, and I think that mindset, isn't it? That attitude of I've got this, you know, I am going to, uh, when you talk about what else my stretches is, I'm I'm going to have a go at what will be for me quite a big challenge physically. I'm going to have a go at doing a three peaks um, challenge, which I've never done anything like that before. But again, you have to be like, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can. So I think just being able to find that voice in yourself is so important. Yes. Amazing. Amazing that you're going to do the three peaks challenge as well. When are you looking to the do North that? York, the North Yorkshire one in, um, September. Fantastic. So you're in training now? Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) What type of training? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I am. I am. I need to train more for that. I've I've only just signed up for it last week. Um, And it's something that I've, again, being part of something, there's a group, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a big, big thing. Being part of something and being pulled along by others, but knowing that it's going to be a big achievement for me at the end, I think is something that I'm ready to just be in that space. I wish you all the luck in the world with that, Alison. I know you'll smash it, obviously. And thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation and and hearing your story and hearing all of the kind of things that have got you to where you are today. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And we will be sharing your details and ways in which people can find out more about you, how they can connect with you. And um, we'll try and link them up to the books and things as well. Yeah, yeah, the books, the books kind of almost tell my rebirth story but not in a story form so they are a self-help form so they will everything that I've learned amazing they sound really useful so we will hook everybody up with those as well thank you so much Alison and uh, to everybody listening thank you for listening and we will see you again soon if you're enjoying this podcast 
why not download the Room app? It's going to help you to understand what a rebirth is and how to have one for yourself. Join in the chat rooms, download the materials and programs and get monthly coaching and monthly networking, all for the price of $6.99 a month. Download now in the App Store or Google Play Store.